Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash. And into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. So today we have Mike Nemeth on the Got Your Six podcast. He's an U.S. Army veteran and well-known entrepreneur. He's currently the president of Emblem Athletics company dedicated to strengthening teams, athletes, and organizations through customized apparel. Aside from fitness, he's passionate about great companies in Ohio and helping military veterans transition into the business world. Mike's mission is to empower leaders and entrepreneurs and help build great teams. He's also a world-renowned author. One of his books, my personal favorite, Discipline, The Annapolis Way, reached number six on the Amazon bestseller list in 2017. He believes his purpose in making life more enjoyable for others by employing unique and fun strategies to energize teams and clients. If you want to have just a quick, fun Google search, back in April 2020, he did a shirtless photo shoot with the company, which was unable to get a model due to coronavirus pandemic restrictions. It's one of my favorites. His book has been featured in countless places, including The Atlantic, Entrepreneur, Forbes, He's a graduate of the United States Military Academy and was a commissioned military intelligence officer. His MBA is from Ohio State. He was appointed by the former U.S. Secretary of Commerce to serve as the National Advisor Council on Innovation and Entrepreneurship from 2016 to 2018. Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Tony. And uh, as you know, on podcasts, it doesn't translate well. When you say author, for me, sometimes you have to put quotation marks. Uh, in there for, for the content of my books, but we can we can save that for later or let people discover that uh, on their own. Yeah, no, I mean, speaking of your books, right, you also have Mom's Favorite Juices, Why Moms Get Thirsty When You Misbehave, and Dad's Favorite Juice, The Bottle in the Fridge That Aren't For You. Yeah, no, I've, I, I've put out a, a bunch of books and it's actually great. It's a great kind of message of just keep putting stuff out there because there have been ideas that I've had where I'm like, man, this is going to be this is going to be it. This is going to, this, I'm going to, this book is going to be like number one. Uh, it's going to be on like tonight show, you know, talk shows and then it's nothing. And then that, you know, the Annapolis book, I thought this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. This is embarrassing. I shouldn't even, you know what? I shouldn't put this out. This is, this is just, this is too dumb. This doesn't, this is not funny at all. I'm not going to, never mind. I'm not going to put this out. And then at the last minute, uh, I published, uh, as you said, um, what rose to be number six. And when, when I say number six, I mean like number six on all books. Like it was above 
like lean in from Sheryl Sandberg that day. And I'm like, what the hell, the hell is going up? This was, this was wild. So yeah, uh, you just got to throw stuff out there and, and accept that many of your ideas will be failures. That is an, a great point, right? Just, you never know what's going to kind of stick. And sometimes the ideas inside of our own head, we think are just like, I, I don't know what, the, how this is going to perform. I think it's going to just crash and burn. It ends up being our greatest success. So would you say that's one of your beliefs that you've kind of learned over the last five years that you would say has improved your life the most, just kind of, if you're going to create it, just put it out there and see what happens. Or is there something else? Uh, I would say even, even knowing that it's still hard to, to execute on that, right? Like you can keep telling yourself, like, just keep putting it out there. It's okay. If it's not great, you know, just keep moving, keep moving. Um, but that's hard. It, it, it puts you into a cycle where you're always like questioning if it's, it's good enough or not. I would say that the, the biggest impact has been to get into routines where I kind of falsely create reasons for me to, to do it, whether or not it's ready or not. Right. Like, so, I mean, some of the army Navy pranks and some of those other fun things, I would spend years trying to perfect them. If, if I didn't have any artificial reason that I've said, I got to put this out once a year, it's got like, this one's ready to go. I just got to get it and move on to the next one. So I'd say, Finding habits is the is the more really impactful uh, lesson to to be learned. It was like, yes, I know you need to put stuff out there, but like setting yourself up to fall into habits is is the tough part. So like we were actually just talking about podcasts here a little bit. I I talk to people all the time, and we're like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to work on this project or I'm doing this. If you don't commit to say I'm going to put this out each week, right? I'm going to get into a habit where it's going to come out each week. It, it never happens. So that, that would be my lesson is, is find ways to put in routines so that you don't have to second guess yourself because a lot of it will suck. Uh, but you just have to get, you have to get through those ones to get to the good ones. You know, that's a great point you said about routines, right? Is that, would you say that's the one thing you implement daily from your time in the military, like even starting as a cadet at West Point, or is there something else? What kind of have you taken away from your experience? I'm not really that disciplined, uh, to be, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, it's not my strong suit. My, my, my desk is a mess. Um, I don't, I don't particularly like getting up early to, to go work out. Like there's a lot of things that people are like, they have sort of the stereotypical, like, Oh, you, you, you went to West point, you, you know, this must be your thing. I'd take, I would say my sense of humor is what is the, is the biggest takeaway for me is really no matter how shitty or tough, you know, things get like, you can still always find a space to laugh. And that's, that's really the biggest takeaway is, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned the, you know, the, the fake photo shoot that I did, that was peak pandemic. The world is ending, you know, days, uh, you know, this time about a year ago where, you know, businesses were all going under and, and the mood was just rough. And I'm like, well, this is, this is not my style. I'm going to do something fun. And, and it didn't matter if people were going to say, oh, that was, you know, insensitive or the wrong time. It's like, reality is people laugh at, in the face of terrible things every day. So. Uh, that's my, that's, that's what I take is, um, there's always room to find a laugh and a smile. I love that. That is, and that's so powerful too. Now, where did you get your sense of humor? Is that like from, did you, from a book, a person, a course? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I asked myself this quite a bit. I had an unusual childhood in the sense that my, my parents owned a bar, uh, and I spent most of my time up at the bar. So I just, I always was just hanging out with, with a, with a crowd of people and eighties 
early nineties, there was no, you know, internet. There was, there wasn't anything to distract people. It was just lots of people telling great stories. Uh, I, I remember, I remember those moments kind of the most. And then for those of you that, that, uh, might also share this uh, experience, I was an avid mad magazine reader. So I just, I devoured every one of those issues every time they came through. And, and I would say I certainly honed my satire skills, um, with mad magazine as a child. And then of course, uh, those were the don't, don't touch these. These are going to be worth something someday, uh, message that I got, you know, from, from my family of like, you got to save those. Those are, those are collectibles. No, they're not. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do the fold-ins. I'm not going to deprive myself the, the, uh, the joy of doing the Mad Magazine Fulvins. So yeah, that's that's where my sense of humor came from for sure. Absolutely, man. Mad Magazine, like that's just w- something you would just gravitate towards when you know your parents were grocery shopping and you would just kind of like say, "Hey, I'm gonna go hunker down in the magazine section." I was not a I was not a sports sports kid. Uh, I, I I didn't you know all, all my friends you know would talk about you know different sports stars and eras and I, I like baseball, but. I don't know. It just wasn't my thing. Humor was my thing from, from early on. Yeah. And it's, it's served you well thus far and will continue to serve you well. Right. Cause everybody needs a smile now and then. Right. And not, 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 not now and then. Yeah. Always. So you've taken, you know, years to hone your comedic chops. What would you say is like one skill or ability talent that you're currently working on as like a newbie? I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I think, I'm personally really fascinated with sort of intersection of, of business and, and fun. I long have held a, a really terrible uh, limiting belief of like, okay, Mike, park your fun stuff over here and then be super serious and, and on it at, at work. Right? Like, like you, the, the, those two shall never meet, you know, kind of thing. And it's, it's terrible. That's just not, I, I, no matter, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't really commit to that. And so I am interested in finding the right balance of fun in work and fun in like customer experience. So like, you know, we've had, um, we've had a hell of a time uh, with, with growth in the middle of, a you know, the worst possible uh, production scenarios imaginable, right? Like this time, a little bit past this time last year, I couldn't have imagined we'd be facing, you know, supply chain issues and this, all, all these things. And, you know, how do we deal, how do, how do we deal with customers with those issues, right? Do we send them the like really serious, you know, like we deeply apologize, you know, kind of thing, or, or, or do I have fun with it and, and just say, oh, this sucks. Like, like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. We're, we're going to get it done as soon as we can. Like that, that, level of humor is something that there's really not much, there's not much even written about it, right? Like you look and, and you try to study at school and everything else, and it's always so serious. I'm like, but life's not serious, right? So I, I'm, I'm looking for in, in studying different ways to bring humor into, into work. How have you done that through like email correspondence where you've gone and kind of just been like, hey, sorry, this really does suck. We're going to figure it out. You know, like how, how have you done that? Yeah, a couple. I mean, a couple, there's been a couple, couple ideas. Um, some, some has just been email correspondence. I'm, I'm working hard just to even get, you know, get people on the phone. Sometimes phone, like talking to people is, is so much easier to just like diffuse tension. People get really, really nasty, uh, <laughs> over email. I, I, and I found like, 
sometimes the humor doesn't translate well over email because they're just they're just pissed, right? So, um, so phone calls help. We're we're sending people just random stickers, right? So we we do a lot of we we mostly work with military units, and and so we just we went out of our way to figure out how to make some really low like we've made custom stickers for many of the units that have had delays, and we're just sending them out in the mail, like nothing else to it, just like hey, I, we tried to deliver you a smile, but you you were pretty pissed when your stuff was late. So here's a sticker, like and that's <laughs> that's it. You know, it's not it doesn't have to be complicated. And that goes a long way too. Like, I mean, we all being in the military, we all carry around water or some sort of, you know, you got to stay hydrated. Otherwise you're taking a knee. Right. And, uh, you know, to just put that sticker on there, you have that sense of pride in that unit organization because you're not going to be able to wear a shirt all the time. So I think that's also another great point and ability and forethought to think through that, whether that was intentional or unintentional. I think that's super cool. Oh, it's all, it's all very intentional. Yeah. I would, I would assume big brain thinker from the Ohio state. So you talked about being vulnerable, right? Cause you have to be, you have to present that, especially in times of uncertainty, which is now the norm and part of vulnerability. Yeah. It's always been, yeah, time, times have always been uncertain. That's, right. That's true. Yeah. I, I love their like, Oh, there's no, there's never been so much uncertainty. I, I, we haven't talked about your profanity rules on, on your podcast. Go ahead, or, let it rip. We, yeah. That's bullshit. Right. Like when, when have times not been, uncertain it, it's never it's never been any different um there have been more complications for sure but like i can't predict the future it never happened so yeah i, I i'm i'm always fascinated as i hear people say oh it's never been this uh this uncertain it's either uncertain or not and it's uncertain right and in uncertainty you're gonna fail and we've talked about this you know in correspondence and stuff like that about failure so what has your greatest failure been that has ultimately led to probably your greatest success. Okay. I, I truly have like so, so, so many that I could choose. There've been some setbacks. I think it's, it's even interesting to, to differentiate between like a setback that occurs that wasn't your fault. And you've then like internalized as I failed. And then you realize, wait, I didn't really even screw anything up, but this other time I totally screwed up. That, that absolutely was, <laughs> that was a failure. So I mean, setback for me, I was injured. And so, I mean, I cringe. I still cringe every time I hear like army veteran. I'm like, I did like nine months as a staff duty officer in, in Lieutenant purgatory. Like I didn't do anything because I got injured and, and they medically separated me as a Lieutenant. Uh, I had, I personally tremendous setback from that. Like it, it messed me up. I spent a year just like in a funk, angry at the world, angry at myself, I uh, didn't talk to anybody like that was rough, but that wasn't my failure. I didn't, I didn't do anything. So like the failure on that part was that I took it so personally um, that I, I pretty much like lost a year. I lost a year of my life. Um, like just being angry. Uh, this was before, this was before Netflix. So I used to just like sleep in until like 1030 and watch MacGyver on spike TV until like one. And then just like, man, be angry. Uh, so that was a, that was a failure after that, just a couple of years ago, uh, I got fired. Uh, I got fired from my job and it's, it's because I wasn't doing a good job. I, I was, I was mentally checked out. I was not really dialed in. I was thinking about a bunch of other stuff. I was unsatisfied and I deserve to be fired. It's, it's hard to own that. Cause then when I, when it happened, I'm like, this, this is bullshit. I shouldn't have been fired. And I'm like, 
yeah, maybe I, maybe I should have been. I wasn't, I wasn't really working as hard as I could have been. And so that, that failure hurt. It was a scary time. I, I had two kids and a mortgage and all, all those things. And I didn't have a thank you for playing, you know, a year's worth of severance uh, in that separation either. It was pretty much a out the door, see you later, good luck, figure it out yourself. So it was a, it was a really tough year. And, and that was only, that was three, four years ago now. And I think that was what kind of caught me off guard is that like, I, I consider sort of like mid-career and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have big failures like this. Like, and it was not easy for me to get a, I, I didn't easily find another job. Um, there was a lot of things that I'd sort of like took for granted, even in the back of my mind sort of took for granted of like, oh, well, if, if this doesn't work out, I can just land someplace else. It didn't work out that way. Like it was, it was a big kick to your confidence and your ego to like have a setback like that. And, and then you realize there's no other, like, there's no other choice. I can either be angry about this and then continue to just like spiral off into disaster, or I can get, get up and, and, and then get to work. Uh, and so that's what I did. And then I failed two more times. I tried two other businesses. Like I tried to start two other businesses after that, and they both failed. And so by the time I started Emblem three years ago, I was like, well, there, there is no other choice. Like I have to make this work. And in Emblem's growth, there have been multiple times where it's been a real challenge and a real crisis. And I said, well, I don't have any other choice. There's no plan B. Yeah. Like, like this, we'll just, we'll make this work. I don't care. We'll figure out how to make this work. When you look at a problem like that and it's like, there is no like help or anything else. It's we're going to figure this out with the team that we have internally and we're going to grow through this process. While there is a huge struggle in that, the amount of credibility, trust, communication required to get to that problem only strengthens the team. Yes. The classic Don Rumsfeld, you go to war with the army, you have like mentality of like, look guys, I know we'd all love to have a bunch of nice things, but it, it, it ain't here, right? Like we're, we're, we're going to figure this out with what we've got. It's been a great lesson in like, there is no perfect, like there's no perfect time to do it. There's no perfect team. There's no perfect set of resources you have. Like you just got to figure it out and push forward. Right. Taking that, you know, just one action tends to roll into another action and another action. And sometimes you have to like survey the scene, but just continue to take deliberate action in some direction. Right. Yes. Yeah. Paralysis is the worst where you're just kind of sitting back. Yeah. Hoping it's never going to figure itself out. <laughs> that, 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 that I can tell you. Yeah. No, I remember uh, somebody said hope once in an MS 200 class back when we were sophomores at West Point. I thought a desk was going to break when the NCO came across and said, hope <laughs> is not a tactical task. We're not just going to hope this is going to figure itself out. Right. And then Mike, so what, really helps you like become better than yesterday and continue to push forward, overcome all these challenges that are presented to you and now the company and family life and all that stuff. I'd love to, you know, for you to dive into that. Sure. I'd say, you know, one, one new, new aspect for me that I, I definitely would, would not have predicted even, a, even a couple years ago is my acceptance and and even reliance on a lot of the like surveys and and personality assessments and 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 skill right skill assessments all those things 
I used to say these things are dumb. <laughs> I was like, these are the, these are dumb. I was like, props to whoever came up with this way to get me to pay $39.99 for a little survey. Right. I'm like, what a business, right? They don't even have any cost of good. They just they just turn out uh, a fake reports. I'm like, man, this is this is I should make one of these. I should make a fake one of these. Now I now I see the value. So one thing to get to get better is acknowledging there are functions and, and traits that are just not my strong suit. So just even when you're kind of asking about like organizationally, the expectation that, uh, you know, somebody from the military is going to have like all these like disciplines of like, well, they're, you know, they, they're, they're very organized. I am, I am not organized and I don't think I ever will be. And I'm just acceptive of that now. And I've got help for it. Right. Like those are the least, those are the least favorite things for me to do. And instead of beating myself up over it, instead of like, having it on my to-do list of like, oh, I'm going to get to, I'm never going to get around to it. So I've delegated, I've got somebody that comes and helps me because for that person, they've taken one of those assessments and, and I, I could never think like they do. Like they, they love and truly like they love organizing things. And so I, I've extended this into, into my personal life. I, I have, I have hired a home organizer and I thought, come on, like this woman gets paid to organize things. It's been life-changing. She just came into her like kitchen and she's like, your pantry sucks. She's like, she did it in like a couple hours. And she's like, do this. I'm like, okay. That, I mean, that kind of stuff of just like accepting that you're not gonna be perfect at everything. And again, extending that outside of, of even work as well has been, has been a real, a real game changer for me. So I, I get help where I need it. It lets me focus more on things that are, that are better, you know, better suited for me. Uh, you know, the the leadership vision part of our company is is where I need to spend more time, not figuring out how to get this this block of orders through this supply chain. Like at times, I've had to figure that out, but it's not my strong suit. Um, it's letting other people do that. I mean, that takes again going back to what we talked about earlier, right? Taking that internal look, saying, "Hey, ego, we're not going to do this. We're not going to get here. We're going to have to ask for help." externally to what I can perform and then helping, allowing that help to build some sort of system that you then trust and then just allow the process to continue. That's, that's so cool. It's not, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight, but oh, yeah, uh, but, absolutely. Yeah. No, I not trying to like, just say like, no, no, I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't want somebody to think that, that absolutely. That, yeah. That it's like, okay, I'll just start. It, it takes time, but it's, it's totally worth it. Right. And there's going to be failures as, you know, along the way. And it's, it, but it takes that iteration where you're, you're going to go down a path, but realize, Hey, this isn't the right path. We'll come back a little bit instead of just trying to force something to work and then to end up in the completely wrong direction with the wrong azimuth, you know, looking on the map, trying to figure out where you're at. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, totally. Awesome. So where can people reach out if they want? I know you're super active in LinkedIn and the videos that you put out, I would say almost daily multiple times a week are super helpful, to, you know, not only to me as you know, a student and everything else going on in my life, but just, you know, as a person, right. And you, you kind of talk about those forbidden doors and you really open up. So where would people, where could people find you and how can they reach out to you? Yeah, there's two parts to that answer. Uh, definitely LinkedIn. 
that's that's where I've decided to to kind of commit my attention and effort. And uh, as you as you pointed out, I thought about essentially you know during coronavirus not getting a chance to to get coffee with friends or or hang out with people you know that you know here in Columbus were like leaving the military and, and starting grad school and wanted to, wanted to take some lessons. I said, oh, I'll start, I'll just start putting out those lessons in video in like short form video and, and just putting it out there. Right. And so that, that's where I've been. I would also then tell you behind, behind that is the decision that I've like essentially purged a lot of my activity across everything else. And it's been a big relief. <laughs> I've taken all taking all social media apps off my phone. You know, my, my family's like, you never post pictures on Facebook anymore. I'm like, eh, I don't, just, I don't have time. And then other, I mean, other, other platforms I find just, just toxic, right? Like it's just really, it's really terrible. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't have time for this. Oh, nor the energy for it. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I really think of, of all of the different options. That's consistently the one where there's most value and just, and it's just, positive, right? Like people are trying to help each other there. I think people are trying to professionally succeed there. Everywhere else, it's just garbage. Uh, we, we advertise on other platforms, but like, it's just, it's not where I spend my time. And then also recommendation is don't waste your time, like doom scrolling on, on everything else, right? Like just try to be positive. And certainly of all the platforms, I think LinkedIn is the most positive. Awesome. Very cool. So Two ways to reach him is uh, you can watch the videos on LinkedIn or reach out directly to Mike on LinkedIn. Mike, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Fascinating. Great episode. Great lessons learned. I really appreciate your insight today. Thanks, man. Anytime. Yeah. F- find me on LinkedIn. If you ever have any questions, um, I'm always happy. To thanks for listening, Sixers. This episode comes to you thanks to the great people over at 10,000. 10,000 makes the best training gear, hands down across the board. And my favorite are the tactical shorts. The tack line at 10,000 is incredible. Ultra light and durable. The waistband is tough as nails. Zippers never stick. I can't say enough great things about the 10,000 shorts. They come in five and seven inch inseams, depending on how long you like your shorts. And of course, my favorite is OD Green. If you go to 10,000.cc and use the promo code GOTYOUR6, it's got your and the number six at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order. That's 10,000.cc, not .com. Use the promo code gotcha 6 for 15% off. Six is running a new segment in a couple episodes, and I'm super excited about it. Talking to all these incredible high performers, I've realized we need to stack the wins to achieve massive success. And I want you to know I have your back in these accomplishments. Let me know. Go to either Twitter or Instagram. Got your six pod with the number six. There's a Google form there. Let me know a win you or somebody else recently experienced and deserves some recognition. I want you to know I'm stacking the wins with you each episode, so we'll give you a little shout out at the end of each episode, just so you know we got your six. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers. But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.